Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. And Leon sends one out to Thomas in right center, and the catch is made by Thomas. Runner tags from second to third, and a fine play by Lane Thomas in right center. O'Neill, fly ball, deep right at the wall, gone! Tyler O'Neill, opposite field homer. You know what that tells me is that my man Tanner wants to talk about a little outfield competition. When you hear about Lane Thomas making a sliding catch and then a home run, that means we're talking outfield competition. Welcome into the Danny Mac show on a Tuesday edition here on 101 ESPN. I'm Danny Mac. That is BK. Tanner is with us, our producer, engineer. And I'm seeing something, I think, for the first time in my almost 30 years of radio. A humidifier in That's the right. studio. I like that. <laughs> hey, man, we got to make it through this broadcast any way we can. And when you've got. So let's see here. We did Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday pre post for the blues. Uh, four hours every day there in between. We're we're making this bad boy work. You're going to make it. How you holding up, buddy? I'm I'm hanging in. We made it through. Alex Ferrario is back today. God bless that gentleman for being <laughs> back. And I get to be off of Blues broadcast. Now, it was a pleasure. It was an absolute honor to be able to do that. It's a cool thing to be able to say that I've done. But, man, I have gained so much respect for that dude. These are long days. What we're time? not digging ditches out here, but they, they are long days when you get in and leave the way that I did the other day. What time uh, did you get off the air yesterday? So I got home last night right around midnight. Okay. So I came in around 8 o'clock or so. Yeah. I left for So I left around 4, went home. I'm living in Hazelwood, so it's about a 25-minute drive. Get there, go on a quick three-mile run, get home, shower, Come right back here, start recording some stuff for pregame, get on the air, and out of here about midnight. Do it all again today. All right. Blues, uh, by the way, lose last night in OT, but overall, very good road trip for for St. Louis. So let's talk a little bit. We love talking baseball uh, in this hour. We try to focus on baseball as much as we can, uh, and then we'll have BK and Alex, by the way, is back in studio today. So we got uh, Michael Gersh. He's going to call in around 10, 15 or so, the Cardinals GM. The outfield mix right now. So we haven't talked a lot about Dylan Carlson. Let's just pencil him in and right. Bader, we hope, is back in the lineup today today uh, or at least coming back in the next uh, day or two he's been dealing with a sore right arm but let's talk specifically about Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas I'm going to start with Lane Thomas seeing great things from Lane Thomas couple of sliding catches that he made over the weekend Lane Thomas is five for 15 a double he's driven in three he's walked uh, he's got six strikeouts the on-base percentage of 412 the thing I'm loving, and, and I'm going to say this, the two sliding catches is what I love to see. Now, I want to see the offense. Don't get me wrong. That's really important. But I'll go back to last year when he came back from COVID, and you don't know how guys are going to perform when they come back from COVID. We're seeing some guys who was like, eh, I was out, no big deal. Other guys, it affected them differently. There was a game last year, and I think you know where I'm going with this, BK, and I think it was in Cincinnati. 
Cardinals put him in, in right field, defensive replacement. He went back on a ball in right field. And this guy can play some defense. When he's right and 100%, he can play some defense. He's on par with Bader. And I don't, I don't think people talk about that enough. He went back last year in right field and dropped a ball. I thought, what in the hell is going on here? Same inning. Went back again and tiptoed going back on the ball and made the catch and was not comfortable. And I thought, something is going on here. Now I'm watching a guy in these games that's getting great jumps, making good plays, and looks locked in at the plate. Now he's going to have his fair share of strikeouts. That's part of what he does. But when he connects... Ball jumps off his bat. I'm loving what I see out of Lane Thomas so far. You know what I love? So people look at Lane Thomas versus Tyler O'Neill, and they're like, oh, you've got the power guy versus the guy that's kind of more of the all-around player. But the question is, is he a 4A player or is he a major leaguer in Lane Thomas? It's not really how it's been so far in their very abbreviated stints in the majors. Tyler O'Neill's power, while we can see the potential, it's absolutely there. Nobody would argue it hasn't been realized in the majors lane thomas on the other hand has in the short stint that we've seen him in the big leagues he actually has more home runs per at bat than tyler o'neill does in the big leagues again small sample size alert here Uh, lane thomas has been up for like 75 plate appearances basically nothing but the numbers are the numbers that's what they show you and he does hit the ball really hard dan so I honestly prefer Lane Thomas's profile just aesthetically as a fan of the game. I think for me, he's the guy that I prefer to watch fewer strikeouts, although he does, as you said, he does strike out a little bit, takes a good walk, makes contact a decent amount. I like that profile of player personally, but Tyler O'Neill, it's, it's impossible to ignore what the power potential is there. I think for me, I would go with Lane Thomas over Tyler O'Neill, especially with the way that we've seen Lane Thomas perform in spring training. I do not believe that the Cardinals will view it the same way, though. I think they'll give, give Tyler O'Neill a first shot. I tend to agree with you. O'Neill, 5 for 12, home run, 6 runs batted in, a walk. He struck out 4 times, 417 average. Mike Schilt so far on Tyler O'Neill's recent offensive performance. You know, using the whole field, 3-run homer um, to right, you know, Pulls the ball down the left field line for the three-run double. Um, drives the ball in the right center gap. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's foolproof, but when you see guys that, you know, have the ability to drive the ball over the ballpark and are doing so, it typically opens up their game entirely, and he's doing that. Now, what about the competition in general? Zachary Silver is covering the Cardinals for Cardinals.com, and he was a guest on the BK Show. You know, making making really great impressions. Lane Thomas specifically. I mean, he had such a tough 2020 after he struggled with COVID, and you know, kind of struggled to get his legs back under him throughout the rest of the year. I mean, a lot of guys. You wonder how much their seasons got stunted, not just by the short season, but also just by the pause and guys who had to deal with the virus. So he's he's kind of one of the top guys in that category. But you know, he's playing really well, and with Harrison Bader kind of sidelined with his forearm issue, he's taking a real leap in center field. He's made some great running catches, sliding catches, and. Tyler O'Neill, the question has kind of been with his bat, but so far he's proving to be pretty capable in the spring. Um, and, you know, there hasn't been much question with the defense for any of these guys, but if you see Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill kind of competing for the left field, I think that's your ideal situation. Have two guys who are pretty capable there where it was kind of thought to be a question mark. Ah, uh, he hit the nail on the head. He hit the nail on the head for me, where a lot of people look at Dylan Carlson going to center, and I have said this time and again. If you have a right-handed pitcher on the mound, why not Lane Thomas in center? And Bader sits. 
And until I see the improvement that I need to see with Harrison Bader against right-handed pitching, and I haven't seen it. I mean, it, there's there's pretty big sample size there. And it's got to start happening this year. And if it doesn't happen this year, why not Lane Thomas in center? And here's the thing, BK. I go on the eye test. And I look, I dive into the numbers. And I can make the case with the, the numbers. The numbers agree with the eye test here. Yeah. You know? Lane Thomas, by the way, is a very good defensive center fielder. And there are times I like Lane Thomas in center more so than I like Bader. Bader plays really deep for me sometimes, too deep. I like Lane Thomas, so let's look at him in center, too. Why not? I got no issues. By the way, Bader not in the lineup today, the early lineup that's been released. He's not in there today, so hopefully he'll get in there tomorrow. Otherwise, starting to have some questions about the barking elbow, I believe is what they called it. But I'm with you. If you've got Lane Thomas and he's available and he hits righties well early in the season, I got no issues putting him out there against right-handed pitching in center field. So we're going to visit with Michael Gersh. It's one of the things we're going to talk about. We'll talk about Lane Thomas. We'll talk about Bader. We'll talk about camp as a whole. Michael Gersh is coming up next. We'll take a 60-second timeout. And the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals is coming up next after this 60-second timeout. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. So many times this, uh, I'd say last couple of weeks, I'm really disappointed not being down in spring training because one of my favorite things to do is to have the face-to-face conversations with people like Michael Gersh, who is the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, who has been kind enough to check in, who's down in Jupiter, Florida. Hey, Gersh, great to uh, to hear your voice, and uh, hopefully you're safe and healthy and taking in some sunshine down in Jupiter, Florida, and thanks for doing this. How are things going? Uh, everything is good, Danny. How you doing? I, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I I have a burning question. Are you ready for this? This is a really hard hitting question. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. What do you got? Okay, I've been really concerned doing the games virtually. I see you sitting behind home plate. I've been wondering if half of your face is like you know how you get these sunglasses yes. tan. Yes. Are the you answer get- is yes. <laughs> I have a ridiculous tan line. I'm absolutely one- ridiculous tan line. Yes. <laughs> You gotta get we were, out there we were, and get some golf in, Gersh. You gotta you gotta be able to take the face mask off at oh, some point. No. Mad, Mad Dog was wearing a Lone Ranger sweatshirt yesterday. Why Mad Dog has a Lone Ranger sweatshirt, I don't know. But we <laughs> did point out that wearing the Lone Ranger mask above your eyes would offset the mask. <laughs> my my current my, I could balance out my tan line if I get just the right Lone Ranger mask. But yeah. I've been been seeing you behind home plate because I know that's where the sun is bearing down down there. I've been going down there for over 20 years and I've been thinking, man, Gersh is getting, you know, the the mask line and he's sitting there right behind home plate for nine innings. So the forehead is getting just all the sun and the rest of the face is just covered. So I've been wondering about that tan line. So now you've answered my question. Hey, Gersh, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you uh, next week. We really appreciate it. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. uh, How's camp going? how do you think things have been going so far? How's uh, just a general question of, on pitching, hitting, everything that, that goes into a camp? How are things going? You know, I mean, it's been interesting on the field in terms of the fact that we have like a, a hockey style record. <laughs> I think we're 2-2-3, two, two, and three, which is an odd feeling uh, with innings being rolled and pitchers going in and out of games. That Just the idea of even like whether you won or lost is a little vague sometimes because you know, you have the bases loaded and one out and they just, you know, one side rolls the inning and we just pretend that those runs never, you know, you just ignore them. So um, 
obviously, you know, we've had some bright spots and some guys struggling, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I think, I think our leader in innings pitched has like four, maybe five. And our most at bats is about 12. So, you know, it's not, it's yeah, they're the first 12 of the season. So it, people paid a lot of attention to them, but it, you know, in any other month of the season, a 12 random good or bad at bats don't get much attention. So we try to, uh, Try to try to be patient, and we got three weeks left for guys to to keep working on their games. When you look at the pitching staff, and obviously we're not down there, and we see the numbers, and you say, "Wow, there's an ERA after a couple of starts of 32, and there's one at 24," and you go, oh, "That's not great." I I don't look at the numbers um, in terms of two starts or even three starts in spring training, but they are what they are. How do you evaluate the first couple of times through a rotation, three times through a rotation? So the pitching staff so far, what do you like? What do you see? What, you know, what stands out for you in terms of what is happening with that pitching staff so far? Well, I mean, I think, I think early on, I mean, obviously the concern is we've been walking a lot of people, which um, is not a, not a great strategy, especially when you have the defense that we have out there. So um you know, that's, that's a concern, but I, again, it's a couple innings. It's guys, some, some of these guys, some of the younger guys haven't pitched in a competitive game, in, you know, almost two years or, you know, it's it, it, a lot of people in, in interesting spots, but the, the, it, guys like, you know, Wayno's pitched great. He, he looks, uh, he's somehow getting younger uh, as, as the years go by. So that's been good. Um, Alex Reyes has looked good. I mean, we, we've had a number of players look really good and, and some guys still trying to, uh, to find, find their command, but, um, for the most part, we've been healthy, which, you know, as you know, Danny, most of the news in spring training is bad news. There's not a lot. It's hard to have really great news the first week of games or first 10, 10 days of games. But when uh, when guys go down, you can definitely have bad news. And so far, knock on wood, we've uh, we've mostly avoided that. To follow up on that, is there any update so far on Miles Michaelis? I know that the, the expectations were that he would be getting that bullpen tomorrow, I believe. Any update on that still expected to go tomorrow? Uh, yeah, as far as I know, that's still the plan. That he, he he'll he'll throw a bullpen tomorrow. Uh, Jordan Hicks is going to throw in a B game tomorrow, so that's he's he's another step closer to to being uh, you know playing in games where people can see it on TV and and see it with their own eyes. But he's been progressing well. Um, so yeah, both those guys uh, are are still on on track. With Miles, what would you say the level of concern is right now? I know they they said recently that it was the shoulder, not the forearm. So I would think that that's better. But what what's the level of concern that this might extend into the regular season for him? Well, I think we're getting to the point where you know from here everything has to go perfectly to, for it not to extend into the season, right? So um, the level of concern is is not high that there's a structural issue. Um, but the level of concern that you know any other setback is going to make is going to make being on the roster for the first you know first trip through the rotation is going to be a, a real challenge. So um, certainly concerned. I mean, <laughs> pitchers in general are concerning. Anytime a pitcher is not pitching, there's legitimate concern. Um, but but from everything we've seen and and, and uh, found so far, there's no no structural issues that that you know cause that like real long term you know, surgical intervention type concern at the moment. What's it been like watching Nolan Arenado day in and day out and just getting, you know, acclimated to Cardinal camp, his teammates and what you've seen, what, what's that been like in, after you actually acquired him and now seeing him wearing that uniform and, and becoming a St. Louis Cardinal? Yeah. I mean, Nolan's reputation is as a, as a baseball rat, a guy who, you know, loves the game and loves working at his game. And, and I think that that is, shown through in the, t- in the time he's been here. He, he, he loves taking ground balls and, and working. He, he's a hard worker. He's here early. He stays late kind of guy. 
he uh, takes the extra work every day. Anytime I've ever been around and someone's taking extra work, Nolan's part of the group. Um, and just, I mean, he's only, uh, we played again, I think we played seven games. He's probably, he's probably only played 25 innings of defense or something. And it's just watching him go behind the bag and, and make plays and charge, charge bunts. And he's just, He's special, and the, the the play behind the bag the other day, he didn't actually throw the runner out because it was Starling Marte who could really run, but like he would have thrown out about ninety five percent of the guys in baseball. And against Starling Marte, most third basemen either wouldn't have fielded the ball or would have put it in their pocket, and instead he made it a bang bang play. So it's already he's going to be a fun guy to watch defensively for sure. I'm curious, and this is a sincere question, um, Gersh, and and Mike Gersh is our guest, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. You you are pictured on our game, so make sure you don't do anything crazy uh, during these spring training games. You're right behind home plate, and I see you always taking notes. And pull back the curtain a little bit. What what kind of notes are you taking? And you, you have your phone there, so I'm assuming you can go into some type of database of the Cardinals and, and look at various things with your young players and with your current players that will be on the 26-man roster. Um, I'm sure you're looking at velocity or exit velocity and that kind of thing for your pitchers and your hitters, and you're taking notes. What are some of the things that you're looking at during a game of a spring training game that maybe you can tell our player, uh, our listeners about your players? Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I keep score, which is an old habit that I got into before I even got a job in baseball, just keeping score at baseball games, which is awkward when you're trying to balance a hot dog in one hand and, huh. and, you know, and, a, and a bag of peanuts in the other. But um, that, that part of what I do is keep score. And then I, I just take notes on sort of what happens. Mostly, sometimes it's to talk to someone after the game to ask, you know, to ask, you know, Ali, our bench coach, maybe, you know, like what happened here or what was our, what, you know, why did we play? Why did we, you know, you know, defend a bunt this way or whatever. So, I mean, look, my, my background in baseball is not as a scout. Like I don't pretend that I have my role because of my ability to sit behind home plate and evaluate a pitcher or a hitter. Right. That's not, that's not my role and that's not my expertise. Um, but I like to do it so that when I talk to our, our scouts, the guys who do this for a living, I can speak their language and understand what they're saying and, and, and discuss the players in the, in the same way. Right. So um, it's a combination of keeping score. I also, it keeps you focused on the game. Like, like you said, I have my phone and like all of us, that phone is a, it's, it's, it's got a powerful pull if you're not careful. And so by keeping score and taking notes, it, it just helps me sort of bear down on the game and, and, and try not to, um, you know, get distracted by other things. I, I need your help keeping score, by the way, on and keeping an actual lineup straight during a uh, spring training game. So I may send you some texts next game. So thank you for that. Um, I may be blowing you up next game. I appreciate that. One of the nice things is that no one ever looks at my scorecard again, except for me. So when there's lots of crossouts or yeah. just a question mark, like, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know. Someone, yeah. Someone's on first base. I don't know how I got there because I had to run to the restroom. Uh-huh. Just go with it. It doesn't matter. I, I got you. Hey, there's a couple of guys that have really caught my attention, and I don't know if I'm on the right path with this, but I'm curious. Tommy Parson. A uh, guy that comes in and all of a sudden you, you watch him and he's throwing strikes and he cleans up innings because he's got control. And you, you mentioned about guys that don't throw strikes. And he came to the satellite camp at the end of last year. Uh, another one is, a, a, a tw- I think he's 27, but Rondon, he does have a little major league experience to hit a three-run home run the other day. Any of those kind of guys, could they 
possibly sneak on a roster or do something to make an impression to make a a, a, a major league roster? I, I know you don't want to tip your hand on these kind of things, but could they do something like that to potentially possibly make this team? I mean, those kind of guys. Yeah, I think, look, <laughs> a few years ago, we had a uh, a pitcher who had not pitched above high A uh, in his entire career who also missed a lot of spring training, big league spring training, because he got sent out of camp for showing up late one day, hit 101 the last day of spring training and make the opening day roster in Jordan Hicks, right? So, like, anything's, anything's possible. Um, but for the most part, I would say guys like Parsons and, and Rondon are, are sort of positioning themselves more for um, more for down the road than they are for opening day, right? This is an opportunity to to perform in front of the big league staff, so that when the time comes and we, you know, we we all know that the the thirteen or fourteen pitchers who break camp with us aren't going to be the only ones who throw at Bush Stadium this year, and and the same thing on the position player side. There's going to be a lot of transactions. We're going to, we're going to have needs. We're going to have injuries. We're going to have guys who get hot or cold or what have you, and um, and having this is an opportunity for. For guys like Rondon, who we signed as a minor league free agent, and Parsons, who hadn't pitched in big league camp before, to make a good impression on the major league staff. And frankly, I hadn't seen Rondon play either. I mean, we just signed him as a minor league free agent this offseason. So um, not just the major league staff, but but the minor league staff, the front office, everybody. Sure. And, and I know these questions are, are somewhat tough to answer when you've only seen him play, you know, a couple weeks and you didn't have a minor league season. Uh, a question that I have, too, Mike, is when you look at this upcoming season and now that we know that the AAA season is going to be pushed back a little bit, it looks like a month at least, does that make it easier to add a guy like a Kisner to say, well, it's better off to say, let's let's add him and make sure that he definitely is the backup, to be a backup to Yachty and get some playing experience as opposed to going to a satellite camp? And, and does that make it easier for some of the other guys to make that decision for you? And maybe not necessarily with Kisner, but for other backup players, generally speaking. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think of the the, the what's going to happen with the alternate training site. I think of it a little bit more affecting our decisions on the other side as opposed to on the big league side. So, you know, if we have some young players who we were planning maybe to break camp at Memphis, just sending them to the alternate site where there's no real competition. It's just it's, it's a weird sort of a lot of sim games and live BPs. Or do we keep them down here in Jupiter with minor league camp where there's just a lot more players and we'll be playing games against, you know, the Marlins and the Mets and the Astros and Nationals on the backfields? Like, what's a better what's a better way to start your season, right? And there, there's a lot that goes into these things. You know, <laughs> some of the, you know, the guys who got here, pitchers and catchers reported here, you know, four weeks ago. There's still three weeks to go in camp. And then you go to an alternate site to go four more weeks of like modified, you know, sim games. Like, you know, we got, we've got to think through sort of how that affects everyone and, and how that all plays out. But you're right. The fact that there's not going to be game competition at, at AAA level until at least May does impact a little bit how we think about who, who fits where. Um, but, but I, I think that a little bit more on the, on the sort of other end of it than, I mean, we make, for the most part, we make decisions on who's on the major league roster by who can help the major league team win. Right? That's that's the driving force of that decision, and so that that's less affected by the uh, the, the alternate training site. 
Cardinals general manager Michael Gersh joining us here on 101 ESPN. I did want to ask you about a couple of outfielders that have certainly stood out in camp with Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill. I know the goal of the offseason for you guys, you made this very clear, was to open up the runway for some of these young outfielders. What have you thought about the way that they've performed thus far in spring training? And is this exclusively a competition, in your opinion, for that spot? Or is it possible that Lane Thomas could maybe work his way into the center field competition as well? So it's it's been nice that, you know, Lane and, and Tyler have both hit the ground running. Uh, Dylan has had a, a decent spring. I mean, it, again, again, it's 12 or 15 mm-hmm. at-bats, right? It, it's hard to over overestimate these things or overreact to them. Um, there, there's, I don't, I don't know how much you guys have watched the last couple of days. It's been windy as heck out here. And so there've been hits that weren't maybe really hits and there've been outs that would have been home runs in, on a different day. And so it's, it's, again, it's hard to overreact to this stuff, but, um, obviously we have confidence in these outfielders as a group. And that's why we, we wanted to give them some runway to, to go out and see what they could do. So, um, you know, all of them are competing for, for playing time, right? We, we, we have confidence in all of them almost. I mean, of the main guys, almost all of them can play center field. If they need to, so it's not like we have positional like we have enough positional flexibility that whichever whichever players have have earned the the opportunity will get the playing time. But um, certainly, we're not going to make that decision off of you know twelve at bats the first week of the spring. So there's plenty of time to to uh, to let this play out and see where we are. You know, three weeks from now. I know that on the outside looking in, we play the lineup game, right? And we put so much importance on who bats where and how many at-bats they're going to get. As you look into it, whether it be with the numbers that you've researched, how much importance is there really on the designated lineup on a day-in, day-out basis? How much does that impact the game compared to maybe the importance that we put on it from the outside looking in? Yeah, very little compared to what the perception would be from the outside looking in, or not even from the outside, but from everyone's perception. I mean, every you know, not not outside looking in, from inside looking in. It's just the difference between you know any reasonable lineup are, are very small. Like you know, you can make a really bad lineup if that was your goal, but like you know, no one's suggesting really bad lineups. They're suggesting different versions of pretty darn good lineups. So it's yeah, it's it's a relatively minor thing that. I think uh, sometimes is used to shake things up. You know, you change your lineup just because you feel like you need to uh, to kickstart things, try something different. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, the uh, the particular order of of the hitters is is not the uh, not going to be the deciding factor in very many games. Hey, Mike, do we know yet if uh, Justin Williams has a fourth option and how that is playing out? It's so weird. I, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I don't know if you guys have figured this out. I mean the the fan base is asking us every day. I don't know if you can have any idea about this or how where this thing stands. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange situation. Um, it's a little complicated. It's it, it's between the uh, commissioner's office and the players' association. It has nothing to do with us or Justin or, or our interpretation of anything or any kind of negotiation or anything. It's purely a uh, interpretation of the, look. The 2020 season was odd in so many ways. And one of the ways it was odd is, is the length of the season. And some of the rules we have regarding options involve whether seasons are considered full seasons or not. And so that's just, we're waiting. <laughs> like we don't, we don't have the answer yet. Um, I can't tell you, I think we're probably on like week 10 of, we should have an answer soon. Um, so soon has not happened yet, but uh, at some point they'll let us know and we'll adjust. And it, this isn't just a Justin Williams thing. This is a, a, a league wide 
there's there's not a ton of players that affects, but the 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 concept, the definitions, the the way that rules are interpreted affect you know players all across the league, and so. Uh, there's a handful of teams who have this issue, and we're all just sort of waiting for the final answer. Uh, the last question that I've got for you, one guy that uh, we've fallen in love with here on 101 ESPN is John Nagowski because of his like strange profile as being a corner infielder that doesn't really strike out, makes contact, doesn't hit for a ton of power. Uh, what have you seen from him this spring? Is Is he somebody that you think could fit into the mix for the Cardinals at some point this year once again? Yeah, I'd add one more thing that's odd with John, which is he's a left-handed thrower, right-handed hitter. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's just it's just an odd like yeah he's he's sort of a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Um, you know, John has got exceptional plate discipline, and 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 Rye has ridden that to very good performance at AAA. Um, I think he's the kind of guy who at some point just needs a shot in the big leagues. But being a corner guy, I mean, a first, really a first baseman, he's got some experience in the outfield. He's trying. He takes balls in the outfield every day. He's trying to add that versatility. But being a right-hand hitting corner guy in a team with, with you know, with uh, Goldschmidt at first, Arenado at third, and Carpenter in case we need something, you know, a day off or whatever, it's, it's tough for him right now. But um, he's, he's performed, you know, admirably since we picked him up. Um, and, and he's gotten himself into a position where, he just needs the right break. And, you know, the, the, the comp that some people use is like a Jose Martinez type guy where Jose Martinez was a really good AAA infielder who never got a, an opportunity. And then when he got it, he ran with it. And so, you know, hopefully we can figure out a way to get, to get Nagowski that kind of break and he can take advantage of it like Jose did. I want to ask you, uh, Mike, about Nolan Gorman. The three best defensive plays I've seen have, have been by Nolan Gorman, albeit at third base, but you got a pretty good third baseman there. So, if he's going to stay with the Cardinals, it looks like he's got to play at second base or the outfield. Have you seen much of him at second base or in the outfield, and, and how's he fared? Uh, he's uh, So I haven't seen him a ton in taking ground balls at second base. I've seen him a little bit, but more importantly, the, the people who, whose opinion I respect all say that he's he's very comfortable at second base. He, he sort of sort of pleasant surprise that after only a few days of it, he was like, yeah, he looks like a second baseman already. So um, I, I think long-term we will be having, you know, if you look at this season, I think he'll be playing some second. He'll keep playing some third because that's a skill that you got to keep sharp and you never know what might happen in terms of injuries or what have you. He'll, he'll probably take some time in the outfield. Um, the good thing is that Nolan is <laughs> kind of like Arenado. Nolan Gorman is a baseball rat. Like he, he is, he wants to be great, not just as a hitter, but as an overall baseball player. And so, he, when we made that trade, he did not have any question about the fact that he could play second base. He got down here early to start working at it, and uh, and he'll and he'll keep grinding it out until he makes himself a, a, a you know a good second baseman. And in the meantime, his bat speaks for itself. So uh, we're excited about his future. Hey, Mike, really appreciate your time for doing this, answering a bunch of questions that so many fans here in St. Louis have about the club, and uh, looking forward to getting you back in town and having fans in the stands here at uh, Opening Day in St. Louis. Really appreciate your time. Good catching up, guys. All right, that's Michael Gersh, the uh, general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. That was fun. Some really good stuff there. Um, I think the the newsy side of things is what he said about Miles Michaelis. No structural issues that they know of at this point. But he did seemingly acknowledge, like, hey, you know, it, it basically needs to go perfect from here on out for him to be able to be, uh, break with the big league club for opening day. I think we can all 
we've all read between the lines and it seemed that that was the case, but it's nice to hear that acknowledgement from the general manager. And then the other thing, Dan, that I found really interesting was his answer on the lineup. Like we make so much of that on the outside of who's hitting where and how you're going to put these guys in the specific order, right? It's really about who hits. Like, do you have four, five, six guys in your lineup that are quality hitters? And if you do, if you pack them towards the top of the lineup and you get them the most at bats, typically you're going to be okay. And then it becomes about confidence and comfortability between those guys of where they are hitting. I asked him one time, I said, can I ask you a question about the uh, pitcher batting eighth? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's great, by the way. If you know him on a that personal. That was awesome, by the way. That's a, as good as I've heard him on, on the air. I think it's because you, he's, he's comfortable with you. He's he's a very good guy. And I know him on a personal level. And I, I and so I said, the pitcher batting eighth. I said, can you explain me something? I said, does that really matter? And he said, No, (laughs) not really. He said, once you get through the lineup one time, it rolls over and it's really not that. He said, we've done every which way to look at it. He said, once you roll it over, the numbers bear it out. Doesn't really matter. You know, you go through a lineup one time. Sometimes it works. One time it doesn't. Then it just, he said, the numbers just bear it out. It's just kind of even. So if you want to bat the pitcher eighth, it's it's, it's up to the manager and how comfortable you want to be when you bat that guy eighth. Doesn't really matter. He and said, so sometimes a manager feels like shake. He said what he said. It's the, if you want to read into it, it's the optics of how you want to view it. So you get what would be potentially, let's use this as an example. Uh, let's say you wanted to bat Bader ninth or Tommy Edmond ninth and Bader first, but your speed at the top of the lineup, it's the optics. You shake it up. He said, so you kind of shake things up. It's just the optics of a long season. You shake it up. That's kind of what he was talking about. Yeah, that's you're going you back do. to the dugout. You're giving a fist bump to a different person. Like it, it's yeah. that kind of stuff, right? Does it matter? Maybe not. Um, but hopefully, you're able to get uh, a little different of a look up there. But now, I, I found that to be really interesting for him. I, I would say this though: I don't think you want to make a habit of batting Nolan Arenado eighth and no. uh, Goldschmidt ninth. Well, that that you become less. What what you're doing there is you're giving them less at bats, right? And you want those guys to get the most at bats possible. So putting them towards the top of your order accomplishes that goal. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Welcome back to the Danny Mac show on 101 ESPN with Dan McLaughlin. I'm Brandon Kylie. A little bit of news to pass along to you, Danny Mac. According to Bill Shaken of the LA Times, the Cardinals alternate site camp this year will not be in Springfield. I was going to, you know, darn it. I was going to ask Gersh that and don't tell me. Is it going to be in St. Louis? It is right across the river. Actually, Yeah, I was wondering if they're going to do it with the Grizzlies or somewhere around here, because if you look, if you're going to do this, you might as well do it locally. It makes all the sense in the world to do that. And I meant to ask. I actually had it in a note here. I was going to ask Michael Gersh about that. Normally, I never have notes for I just keep a Sharpie and I go, sure. oh, yeah, yeah. OK, ask about that. Yeah, it makes sense to might as well keep it around here with one of the minor league or the uh, uh, independent baseball teams that you have here. Saugit, Illinois. Right across the river, population of 168. Sage. Sage. Yes. That's what I, that's what I was going with. <laughs> Sage. Yes. Beautiful uh, population Sage. 168. Right the across the river. managing partner of the local independent team is Rich Sage Sr. Sage. Sage Sr. Yep. yep. The mayor is Rich Sage Jr. Yep. That makes sense. You're right across the river. And uh, I thought they might do the Gateway Grizzlies ballpark or go over there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Sure. That's interesting. Um, That would explain also why I guess it doesn't. It's not a huge deal, but I think and tell me if I'm misreading this, Dan. I think this is going to be more for guys like John Nagowski and kind of the the 4A 26 plus year old players that are at the brink of making it to the bigs, but aren't considered like top level prospects anymore. Is that is that fair? Guys that could conceivably come up and be a part of the big league club if needed immediately. Well, I think it also is just logistics. So if you have, God forbid, an outbreak get somebody here i mean now you have your taxi squad but if you got hit hard immediately you can just go your guys are probably based living in st louis and you just say hey you're you're downtown at the team hotel and they can join your team now you do have a taxi squad but if you had a massive outbreak which i don't anticipate knock on wood i you never say never but you would get those guys uh immediately with your club yeah so they could just train over across the river and I mean, literally, it's minutes away and they could work out at Bush Stadium, too. You, it, when the team is on the road, you can go to Sajay, you can play over there, too. And, you know, you're basically home based. So right. you don't have to go to Springfield. You don't have to go to Memphis. There's no need to do that. You, you've got a lot of your equipment here. If you want, you're based in St. Louis. Essentially, your living quarters would be here. It, may, it makes a lot of sense. You could do that. The only reason I say that is just because when I heard Gersh talk about how they're still going to have a bunch of stuff going on down in Jupiter, and it, it may be better to have some of the guys that still need to be developed down there than here for this alternate site camp. I wonder if they're going to approach this one a little differently than yeah. they did a year ago. Yeah, those. you're right. The 4A guys, sure. A um, couple of things I, I'm interested in with watching a spring training game and, and, and you know I don't put a lot into until the final week of this of the spring training you start seeing the regular lineup rolled out usually if you have a nine inning game and a lot of times the regulars will play nine innings especially if guys are struggling those guys will want to play nine innings they say man I got to get my timing going I'm, I'm off a beat or two and I need to play. I need to get my timing going. Opening day is almost here. Two guys I really am interested in watching today or listening to or, um, you know, just just to follow. One would be Carlos Martinez, who is not very good in his first start. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do. And the other, it's a hot button issue here in town. It's Matt Carpenter. He, he is hitless so far in spring. I, I just I, he just needs to get a hit or two. Just get it going, you know, and, and get him on the right track and. Do I put a lot of stock in that he's hitless in spring? No, I don't. No, I don't. But he needs to get something going in a positive way. And those are the two players I'll be paying attention to today. Yeah, I. the thing with guys like Matt Carpenter is I'm not worried about the fact that he's hitless, but you wanted to see something. It's that confirmation bias thing, right, where you wanted to see something that will disprove what my prior notion was coming into camp. I wanted to see him light it up down there. Would it have mattered? No, not a lick. It didn't matter at all, but it would make me feel a little better inside that maybe he found something this off season while he's been working his butt off. And we all know that he has been that is clicking. And maybe that ends up meaning nothing when they get into the regular season, but it would make me feel better whenever he's getting those opportunities going into the year. And I would hope that it would make him feel better. Bingo. Make him feel better. Just take the pressure off. If you, if you don't think he's feeling a little pressure, you're crazy. Now he's a three-time all-star. He's been around forever. He's feeling it. Don't think for a second, even a guy that's been around for an, you know, a long time, I guarantee he's feeling a little bit. 
you, you want to get the first hit out of the way. Every player says that, even in the regular season. Just let me get the first hit out of the way, and then uh, the, I can just relax a little bit. What, Tanner, you're, you're, you're giving me that little mm, with your lips. What? Go ahead. What do, what do you got? Nothing. I was just thinking of something in my head for tomorrow. What? <laughs> oh, you, you're already working ahead here? What do yeah. you got? No, no. It's a, it's a deep tease. A deep tease? Yeah. Like, it's so deep that I'm not 100% sure what we're doing <laughs> yet tomorrow, okay. but it's like half of a thought made me smile. Boom. By Dan, the way, I, go ahead. I remember, so going back to uh, the, the Royals postseason run, it, Mike Moustakis, who we all know is a, a quality player now. In 2014, he was nearly sent down to the minor leagues because he was struggling so much. And his numbers were atrocious at that about midway through the season. He got to the postseason, Dan, and he looked up at the scoreboard and his numbers went back to zero. And it was a a restart for him. So to, to your point on Matt Carpenter, sometimes it can be just you're looking up every day and Matt Carpenter's like, man, I'm, I'm 0 for 11. I'm 0 for 11 in yeah. spring training. And you just see it adding up and up and up and it's avalanching on you. And you know that they just traded for your replacement. That's going to be this, the franchise guy at third base. And you know that they're kind of committed right now to Tommy Edmond at second. So you're looking around, you're like, where am I fitting in? And if I'm not hitting, where am I really fitting in? So yeah, there's some pressure for Matt Carpenter and it's deserved pressure, but I hope he's able to break out of this soon. Hey Tanner, by the way, um, you've lined up some pretty good guests the rest of this uh, week. That's right. Give us a deep tease. All right. Well, tomorrow we've got Steve Sachs. Okay. Thursday, potential Cardinals Hall of Fame first baseman on the ballot this year, Keith Hernandez. Love it. And then Friday, another potential Cardinals Hall of Famer, former closer and MLB Hall of Famer, Lee Smith. Nice work. Thank nice you. Nice work. I think you should take... Uh, BK over to Sage. I was about to say, so hold on. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. I didn't realize. Okay, so I'm getting a lot of crap. You might enjoy it. You might enjoy it. Deserves crap, to be totally fair. 100% deserves. I was going to leave it alone. I. I was unaware that this is where places like Pops was. Uh, I, I didn't I'm know. Just saying, no, I'm just saying you might enjoy a baseball game over there and then, you know, stay over there later at night. You might uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I just always called it the East Side. I was unaware that it was specifically called Sage. Yeah. Um, I also had no need to know that it was Sage and not Saget. I'm just saying, BK, you, you might enjoy the, your time over there. That, I can I'll confirm that, that I probably would enjoy my time over there. Hey, by the way, did you know it's schnooks? I think these baseball players are going to enjoy their time over there. You, Say that much. I think, you know, Tanner is of age. You guys might enjoy it. Dan, we could go over there one of these days after the show. It'd be great. Uh, you and Ribs. Would, I think they have a great uh, midday brunch from what I hear. I'm telling you, you guys would love it. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. 
plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.